Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all doing today? Nice to see your smiling faces. All right, we are in the book of Titus, Titus chapter 1, and I'm starting a new series today called Invent the Future. Someone has said that the best way to predict the future is to invent the future, and I'm telling you that your future is staring straight at you if you just reach out and take it. And you know, God knows your future better than you know your past. He's the one that has written it, ordained it. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to read Titus chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 1. I want to read the beginning uh, of this book. Titus 1.1, 1, 1, I want to read and pray. It tells us that Paul, who was a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. He wrote this, it says to Timothy, a true son in the common faith. Let's pray. This morning, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we want to celebrate, God, your grace, your ability, your presence here with us today. Help me teach the word of God. I pray that it would truly be deposited in the hearts and the minds of people for 30, 60, and 100-fold returns. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Now, I am not a fan of February. I'm always kind of happy when we get to the end of February because the rest of the year is downhill. Praise God. <laughs> the one thing I like about February is you got the Super Bowl. Now that football is over and now that I'm done watching the Olympics, I'm enjoying watching the beginning of World War III. <laughs> I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, you know, one thing I like to do is make plans for things. I love planning, uh, whether it's travel camping trips. I like to organize my closet. <laughs> I just love to organize things. And I feel comfortable and prepared when I got things in place. Anyone else out there like that? You know, I'm not comfortable flying by the seat of my pants all the time. And I make plans even if sometimes the plans don't work. I made plans one time to take Elizabeth to South Dakota on a little trip, and we drove about an hour in the wrong direction. You remember that? My plan did not work, but I still made the plan. Well, Titus 1 verse 3 tells us that God has in due time manifested his word through preaching. That is such an interesting verse. He has manifested his word through preaching. See, the, the word of God uh, is made known. That's what manifest means. It's revealed. It's made known when it's preached, when it's exhorted, expounded upon, perhaps prophesied, uh, when you're teaching on it, when you're talking about it, it it's a pronouncement. And that's how people uh, come to know the word of the Lord, when it's, when it's heard and God manifests it. He makes it known. He reveals it so it's recognized through the preaching of it. Interesting verse that I've thought of many times. Now, I, I am someone who just loves to teach the Bible. And it grips me, man. Uh, I wake up at night thinking about passages of Scripture to preach from. I feel like Jeremiah sometimes when the word of the Lord was like a fire in his bones. And there's moments when I just, I, I can't help it. I, I love to teach the Bible. And it, it's a passion of mine. It's, it's part of the vision that God has given me is, is to teach the Bible, help people understand it. And that's, you know, a particular grace that God has given to me. Uh, I have other friends, you know, my friend Chris Michelson, he's a tremendous evangelist. And you get around him and all he does is preach evangelism messages. 
So whether it's his crusades in Pakistan he's doing, he's got one coming up in Orlando this year. It's just who he is. It's the way God has made him. I've got other friends, they're like straight prophets, man. They want to talk about prophetic things. They have definite, you know, messages that are, you know, against the axe and grinding and, and, and pushing people to propel on the things of God. And one of my great mentors, Pastor Larry Stockstill, who, who I've uh, been mentored by, you know, he's planted thousands of churches across the world through the Surge Project, which we support. And he's got this tremendous fatherly thing. He, he's really apostolic in the things that he does. And Man, I look at that like you, you got to have a, all, all those voices that preach the word of God to, to get a full picture of who he is. There, there's something about preaching the word of God that when you hear it, Scripture says, how will they hear without a preacher? And there's something about hearing the word of God that deposits something in the fabric of your soul. And what I'm going to do here, I'm going to walk through the book of Titus, and I want to highlight four ways that the word of God works in your heart. Scripture says in 1 Peter that his word is like a seed. And that seed, when it's sown, it, it, it starts to uh, germinate, grow, take root. It's incorruptible seed. It's a seed that will bring forth life in, in people, in their hearts and their minds. You know, uh, I was going through my notes here in the Bible. I haven't preached much from the book of Titus, even though I named my son Titus. You'd think I'd be in that book a lot. But uh, Titus it has a theme to it. And he's going to mention a phrase... Uh, where he talks about good works, and he actually mentions it five times. I'm going to highlight four of the five times, and I want to just show you here how, how the Word of God is ever working in your heart. Uh, Titus 2, verse 7. Uh, he said, In all things, show yourself to be a pattern of good works. So the first way that we can highlight God's Word working in your heart has to do with the Word of God transforming your life. When you get the Word of God in you, it has this transformational power. That is the evidence that the Word of God is taking root, germinating, and bringing things to pass. Here he said, I want you to be a pattern, and that word means an example. And he said that very thing to his spiritual sons, uh, Timothy and also Titus. The books of Timothy and Titus are called the pastoral epistles. And what Paul is doing is he's just highlighting some fatherly advice to them. And he said, I want you to be a pattern of good works. Now, our lives should be marked by the character of Christ in all things. That's how the verse began. He said, in all things, you want to show yourself as a pattern. Now, I'll never forget, I had a friend one time, and he wanted to be in the ministry. He was a young man, uh, and he was so frustrated because he found himself working the drive through at Wendy's. And so he was telling us all, you know, I, I don't like what I do, and I don't, I don't really think I have to do that good of a job. And, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, when people don't do a good job at Wendy's, you're going to get some soggy fries and half-cooked bacon on your junior bacon cheeseburger. You know, that's a frustrating thing. Mm -hmm. So we told him, listen, in all things, you got to glorify God. If you want to get promoted in life, you need to show character in everything that you do. That's, that's transformation right there. Now, if you stay in context, he gives us some clues. I mean, he tells Timothy he should show integrity in his doctrine. So preachers should use Bible doctrines to teach truth, not manipulate people. Uh, in your life, you've got to have integrity. It means that you need to uh, keep your commitments, your follow-through on things, and, 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 and you know, have character in the things that you do, integrity. He's going to talk uh, about sound speech. Having, that means you stop swearing at people. 
You know, one way that God transformed me, I haven't been in a cussing match in a long time with somebody. <laughs> I don't lie to people like I did when I was a rebellious high school kid. And what we see there in my life is transformation. He transformed my life. I'm grateful for that. He, he's going to talk about submitting to authority. You know, like that's the attitude in your heart where you can see, uh, you know, character at work. It's transformation. When you can submit to bosses that you don't particularly enjoy, the way you treat police officers, school teachers, parents, people in your life that are authority figures, it's the attitude that you have towards them. A transformed life. This week I was visited by one of my friends, dropped off some donuts. We always like it when people come drop donuts off. <laughs> my friend Jerry McCarthy there in the back row is a good example of somebody who had a transformed life. Because he was telling me, you know, when he was a kid, he, he would get in fights with people. Uh, his, he said he felt like his mother never loved him. He was always having problems getting kicked out of school. And, you know, today, he's not that way. He, he's a man whose life has been changed. You know, he's pretty outspoken. And uh, he said that he was sharing some opinions he had about certain things. And someone said, you might get in a fight doing that. And he said, well, I'm not a virgin when it comes to fights, so you never know what you get into. <laughs> transformed life, man. My life is transformed. I'm grateful for the power of the Lord. Do you want to know why I serve God like I do, why we have a church, why we do things? It's because the Word of God will transform your life. And when you get the Word in your heart, that's where lives get changed and truth gets known. It transforms a lifestyle. That's the evidence of salvation. Let me give you a second thought. And I'm going to start in Titus 2 and verse 11. I have been really reading these verses. I, I love Titus 2, 11. Here's what he said. He said, the grace of God. Someone say the grace of God. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Let, let me just tell you that what makes Christianity exclusive is that it teaches that people are saved, not by their good works, but by grace. That is an exclusive doctrine. From that place of gratitude, that is where good works flow. That's the theme of his book. But Titus, or Paul does a great job telling Titus that you've got to balance these works because of the grace that's been given to you. He says, the grace of God that appears to all men has come. And he said in verse 12 that grace teaches us. You know, Hebrews calls it the spirit of grace. Grace, the grace of God is a teacher. He teaches us that denying ungodliness, and worldly lusts. That's those pursuits that you have to gamble and be wasteful and follow after frivolousness. He said that the grace of God helps us deny those things. And with the grace of God, he said, we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in the year 2022, in the moment of time that we're living in. And grace really is God's ability to help you steer clear from sin. And there's something rich, rewarding, and wonderful about His grace. When, when you're at weak moments and struggling and you want to give up and you want to swear and cuss somebody out, tempted to lie, cheat, and steal, you can simply ask God for His help, His grace, and He will be there for you. Keeps you out of sin. He said in verse 13 that in the grace of God, we can be looking, we can be watching for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've kept up with what's going on in the news, <laughs> but it's been a crazy time right now. I mean, there's rumors of wars and World War III, and people are, you know, really starting to look around. I mean, things are getting real. I mean, when Russia starts, you know, 
uh, invading other countries, you, you start talking about end time stuff. Uh, I, I've been to Israel twice, so I love to keep up with current events in Israel because I believe it's the time clock that God has for his return. You know, uh, what's interesting is that the Russians, uh, in response to Israel uh, backing up the Ukraine, have now said that they don't feel that Israel has a claim to the Golan Heights. I mean, you start getting into like Bible prophecy stuff when you start talking like that. I mean, it's really an interesting hour. I don't know how people can survive without understanding who Jesus is, that he's coming soon. Because, you know, my wife is Canadian, and so I keep up with what's going on in Canada. And, and listen, I had people who got frustrated with some things. I said, Canada became like a totalitarian place, man. I mean, they shut down churches in Canada. You're going to hear people talk about it. You can't gather in places and celebrate. We've had friends up there who haven't been able to have church. And you know what they recently said in Canada? That since vaccine manda- passports probably will phase out because of the way the virus has spread, uh, they want to take your ID and match it digitally. Connect your ID to your IP. I mean, you know, you really start talking about end times things. And this is taking place right before your eyes. This is not conspiracies. It's on the news. That's what they're talking about. I mean, these things are coming to pass right before our eyes. It's a very interesting moment in time. And in this moment, Scripture says we can be looking for his appearing. He called it looking for the blessed hope and his glorious appearing. I personally believe in the rapture of the church, the blessed hope. And I'm looking for that. And he said his glorious appearing. Notice that there's two parts there. There's a blessed hope. There's a glorious appearing. And what we are right now is we're watching and waiting as everything according to God's plan is playing out before your eyes. It is such an interesting time, a fascinating hour to be alive in the world today. Yeah. He said in verse 14 that that God, Jesus, our Savior, gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, like sleeping with prostitutes and snorting cocaine, and purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works. See, he said you got to be a pattern of good works. And now he's saying that the word of God, when it's working in your heart, helps you become zealous for good works. So another evidence that we have that the seed of God's word is working in your heart, it is when you get stirred and enthusiastic when your passion comes alive. This is how the word works. It works through passion. Uh, It energizes your passion. It stirs you up. It gets you fired up about the things of God. Like you have this desire in you that says, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give everything I have for you. And when you realize and recognize, man, the price that was paid for you. Think about what it says. It it says that he gave himself for us. I I mean, that puts you in a place of absolute appreciation to the sacrifice that he made. And you start saying, man, I feel so good about that. It inspires me. I want to give my life back to you. That's why Paul called himself a bondservant. You know what a bondservant is? It's someone who's willingly indentured themselves to be a servant of another person. And Paul said, I'm a love slave. I, I'm a bond servant of Jesus. I serve him with everything that I have. And there's something about that, that when you recognize that through the grace of God, it stirs you up to want to be a servant and give your life totally and completely over to God. That's what he's saying in this verse. Yeah. 
You know, he called you his own special people. You realize there's something special about you. There's something that you and only you can do in this world. There's a uniqueness to who you are. And it, that's, that's your passion. You ever discover the gifts and the passions of God, and you're like, I'm telling you, it will transform your life, man. You know, a, a gifting or a calling is something that comes naturally to you. It's easy for you to do. But a passion is something that you enjoy doing. And if you can mirror, if you can marry passions and giftings, man, I'm telling you, there is no end to what you can accomplish for the Lord. And I watch people in life, you know, I, I bet you if we asked you, if you have tied those together, probably a significant portion of people don't feel like they have married passions and giftings together. And I, I like watching it come out in people's life. You know, my sister, Amanda, uh, she loves to worship, but she always, you know, was a little timid and insecure and didn't know. But man, I'm grateful when I see her get up and sing. I'm grateful when she puts forth the effort because it's something alive in her heart. She works at it. She's growing it. It's a passion of hers. And, and, and that's where you start thinking things come alive in people. Some people have a passion, you know, for relationships. They love to disciple people. And, and I see it take place in youth ministry. We're having a great time on Wednesday nights. We got uh, our Journey Youth Group. By the way, we've mirrored that like with uh, parents as well. So if you got teenagers, we'd love to have the parents come down. And we break out in small groups. I'm having a great time just talking to teenagers, investing in them, speaking the word of God. It's so wonderful to get involved in the life of a young person. Same thing with kids ministry, man. That's where you get the word in them. I love watching my little kids ask me questions about the Bible. Uh, I, I love, you know, sharing with them. I mean, there's something tremendous about investing in the life of people. Men's ministry is that way. Uh, you know, some people have a passion for just being a blessing to other people, helps minister. I know people who have burdens to help build churches across the world. It's a passion. It's something they enjoy. And whether it's construction, whether it's a decor, I mean, there's any number of things that your giftings will allow you to do. I, I know people who are passionate about outreach. And so they find ways to make that happen through different church organizations, whether it's addiction recovery programs. We work with uh, a good friend of mine who's running a ministry called PAR where you know, addicts are, you know, getting saved and, and doing things for God and growing in their faith. And, and I, I, Teen Challenge will be here in a few weeks, man. I love what they're doing. We've had a great relationship with those guys. There's a never-ending list of things you could do for the kingdom of God. I had people who did ask me and said, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I can do to help serve, you know, because I'm limited in life with maybe my age or, or my physical abilities and I just encourage them, man, you can be a contributor in anything. You can be a prayer. You can contribute financially. You, you can just be a blessing to somebody else. There's an innumerable number of ways that you can be positive and serve God and be zealous about it. That's a passion. I, I serve God because I'm passionate for him. I'm grateful for what he's done. I, I thank God for my life and how he's worked things out. Now, let me give you number three here. Here's a third way that the word of God will work. Titus chapter three, and I'm in verse number eight. Paul said, this is a faithful saying. And he said, these things I want to affirm to you constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Called this good and profitable in the sight of men. Here's a third thing that I can identify about how his word is at work. And 
It's through your devotions. The Word of God strengthens your devotion, your dedication, your commitment to Him. Uh, This is the evidence that the Scripture is alive in your heart and it's working all things out in you. There are times when God will ask you to do things that you enjoy and are passionate about. And there are times when God will ask you to do things that you're not so passionate about. And that's why he said here, you got to affirm them constantly to maintain good works. In other words, you need to be encouraged that you got to stay perseverant, stay strong with. Because, you know, sometimes God will ask you to do things that really stretch you. They're not easy to you. They may not be things that you desire very much. I, I love, you know, watching Pastor David. You know, he's about my age, a year behind me, and he's, you know, back there working in the kids' ministry. I hardly ever see him on Sundays anymore. It's the strangest thing. You know, because he gets back there working with the kids. And it, it was something that God put on his heart. It, it stretched him. It strengthened him as a man. I've watched it. And, and I'm just so blown away by his faithfulness. I don't think I've ever met a more faithful man than Pastor David, the way he's handling that. And, and I'm just so proud of him. It stretches. It grows. Uh, the word of God working in you, you'll start to hear his voice. And he'll ask you to do things that don't just stretch you. He'll ask you to do things that are sacrificial. And and maybe it's giving money. Maybe it's giving your time. Maybe there's a sacrifice that you are called to make. And it's not because God wants to take something from you. It's because what God really wants is your heart. And sometimes we get things in the way. And what happens is when you you give him, when you make a a, a sacrificial uh, offering in his sight, it's like that's how he can get a hold of a person. When God asks you to do something and he calls you, He calls you often on a supernatural level. That means it's beyond your own strength. It's outside of your abilities. And what God is doing is using His strength, His grace to accomplish something. That is the reason why I started this church so those years ago. Because I I had a dream. God put in my heart. He showed me some great things coming. And that's a supernatural thing. It's outside of my own abilities. And I get excited thinking not what I can accomplish, but what God can do through willing vessels, through people who are willing to just say, Lord, here am I, send me. Man, I, I, when I get excited about God, when I get fired up, that passion starts coming out, that devotion in me, that dedication. And he said, this is a good and a profitable thing, which means it's how God matures you. It's how he grows you. It, it's when you stay faithful and commitment to the little details, those little good works that no one sees, but God sees them. And I'm telling you, he'll be right there to pat you on the back, get you through them, those little things. Go a long way. Let's talk about number four here. Uh, Titus chapter three and verse number 14. He, he said, let our people also learn to maintain good works and to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. See, you can always see when the word of God is working, when it's transformational in your life, when there's a passion for it, strengthening your devotion. Here he said that the word of God will produce spiritual fruit in your life. He didn't want you to be unfruitful. He wants you to be fruitful in everything that we do. This is the evidence of salvation. A person who is truly saved, you can look at their life and you can see the fruit that's hanging on the tree. It's evidence right there. It cannot be hidden. That's why Jesus said a city that's on a hill cannot be hidden. It's obvious to people. Uh, you know, I, I like 
how the scripture lists out what those fruits should look like in Galatians chapter 5. Love and joy and peace and patience. Kindness and goodness. Gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. I mean, he's highlighting these fruits in our lives. And I always, you know, enjoy it when I can get a little fruit juice, watch people go through some pressure-packed moments, and you can find out if there's real fruit there or if there's some lemon juice. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you squeeze and put pressure on things, and what comes out is more lemon than it is orange juice. Come on, somebody. <laughs> a little more sour than sweet. But when you really have the Word of God working in your heart, man, that's some sweet things that will come out. It's, it's spiritual fruit in your life. Uh, the thing about fruit is that it, when it's grown, it's like something that you have to learn how to tend. I think it's so interesting. He said, teach our people how to, like he said, they've got to learn to maintain good works. There's, there's a learning curve to it. You know what that learning is called? It's called pruning. And pruning is the process which God lops off excess branches so you might bear more fruit for his name. I'm telling you, there's something about that, that the Lord actively in your life will be right there to help you become more fruitful. That means that there's some endeavors that are probably wasteful. There's some things in your life that probably need to be cut off. There's some situations you might be in that he's got to take out. And what he's doing is cutting off some branches. He, he, he's just working to help you bear fruit in your life. And if you'll let him, man, he'll make you more fruitful. He'll help you take excess things and cut them away. He said fruitfulness is learned. And fruitfulness is one of those things that should be lasting. Jesus said that you should have fruit that remains. Uh, that means that it's there long term. I, I think in so many ways, the fruit that we have is how we invest it in the life of another person. And that's what scripture seems to record over and over again, that when you are investing in someone's life, it's producing fruit. And for it to be lasting, man, I'm just telling you, there's some people who, I, I don't know that I, I want to invest all that much. <laughs> I mean, there, there's some, I don't want my time to be wasted. I've gotten to this point in life, I can identify if a person is not growing, they're not fruitful, they're not listening to correction, they're not really, you know, making any efforts to further themselves, I mean, I don't want to get caught up in a wasteful moment. I want fruit that will remain, fruit that will endure. And I'm looking for people you know, who, who really, you can see the character of God displayed in their life. It's like being pruned, man. There might be some people you need to cut out of your life. That's what the scripture says. Fruitfulness is one of those things here he says that is, is produced. And it's found in meeting urgent needs. Uh, like the Good Samaritan. Do you imagine that man came up upon a man who was beaten? And the scripture says that a Levite and a priest, that would be like the preachers of the day, walked by him. But the Good Samaritan showed up and bandaged him, got him in a hospital, and paid for everything to be taken care of. How many times have you come across an urgent need? And I think back about moments when people were in crisis and, and we were there to help meet it. And what a blessing that was. I remember a man from Hungary and his wife showed up outside the door in broken English with a family to feed and a broken minivan without gas, and we were there to help. I remember one time I was on Monad leaving a job that I had, and I watched as a guy, you know, back-ended another car, created a wreck, and everyone ran to the car that was back-ended. They were all trying to help the victim. But the guy who drove it into him was an old man, 
And he just he lost control of his car and no one attended to him. I went right there to help meet the man, pray for him until the paramedics arrived. Urgent moments like that, when people get sick, when they have emergencies, that's where fruitfulness exists, when you see a moment to be a blessing for someone. You know, the more fruit that you have in your life, you know where that comes from? It comes from the more of the word of God you have in your heart. I'm totally convinced of that. That when the word of God is sown and deposited in the soil of your heart and it's transformational, and, and it strengthens you, and, and, and it gives you passion. That's the place where you can bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. It comes from the Word of God being stirred up and stored in the hearts and minds of a person. Man, I, I just think about what God is doing at church here. I love uh, the season of life we're in. I love uh, the, the, the fruit that's taking place. I love His Word being taught. I mean, I'm just grateful for a group of people hungry for the Bible. Hungry to hear it. Hungry to know it, man. There's something special about that. I, I've discovered you can make all the plans that you want, but Jesus is coming. And he is coming, and you're going to have to stay focused and faithful and keep your uh, efforts focused upon him. You want to be found doing fruitful things when the Lord is coming. Man, I think about the future that exists in my life, in the life of this church. I get very excited about that because I feel like in these moments, man, you want to stay focused on what God is saying, what he's doing. What is God calling you to do? Let's ask ourselves about the fruit that's being born in your own life. Think about you know, some of the things taking place in, in, in your own life. Can we see evidence of fruitfulness in your life? I mean, is there fruitfulness taking place? Is there transformation on the inside of you? And just think about that. Is 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 your life being transformed? Has it been transformed? I know that's something crucial in my life, that, that I have seen a life transformed. Have you seen your life transformed? Is it one of those things that's actively taken place? Can you look at the evidence of it? Can you see what God brought you through? Are you grateful for that? Man, I think, where would I be without Jesus? Where would I be without his saving grace? Where would I be without his mercy and love? Where would I be? My life has been changed, and I owe it to him. I'm grateful for him. If I was to ask you, has your passions married your giftings? I bet you a lot of people don't feel like it has. I want to pray that giftings and passions are found together, and there's a sweet spot in your life to contribute to the kingdom of God. And people yearn for that. They're longing for that. They want to, God, what what can I do for you? And I'm not talking about idealism. I'm talking about a practical way that you can make a difference. I, I feel like those things can be married together. Yeah. And your fruitfulness and strength, man. Do you, do you feel like you want to be more fruitful for the Lord? I want to be stronger. I want to finish my race that's set before me with the greatest fruit that I've had yet. I want to pray that over you, Father. In Jesus' name, I'm just praying for people who want to grow and serve you. People who are excited about the things of God. Lord, I thank you for the future that exists in their lives. I pray, Lord, for revelation, insight. Uh, Lord, your plans and your purposes that you reveal to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You said, I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor have entered the things uh, of our heart that God has prepared for us, but you've revealed them by the Holy Spirit. I just pray that over the people of God, that I pray for supernatural insight and guidance. I pray for passions to be revealed. I thank you, Lord, for being more fruitful, more powerful, more effective in these days. Oh, in the, in the days of head that we've ever had in our lives before. I pray for a fruitful group of laborers in the vineyard. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Now, I'm pretty happy that this COVID ridiculousness is about over. Uh, the Center for Disease Control, which withheld information, uh, now says that, you know, we don't have to wear masks, not that I think they were effective in the first place. But I would say I did find one silver lining about COVID. And uh, it said I got a, a letter in the mail. It was a handwritten letter. You know, you don't get those anymore, right? Handwritten. And I thought, hey, Elizabeth, come check this out. This is made out to you and me. This, how great someone wrote us a letter. And we opened it up. It was the Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah. They don't knock on doors during COVID. They write letters, which I think I'm, you know, better with. You know, Jehovah Witnesses believe that they have to go door to door knocking on doors because that's how they work their way into heaven. They also have this strange belief that heaven's going to have 144,000 people up there. The problem is they got together at a convention some years ago and there's more than 144,000, which tells you a couple of them are going to make the back of the wagon. This book of Titus, man, in chapter 3 and verse 5, it, it tells us that you're not saved by works of righteousness. You're saved according to his mercy. It tells us that we're justified by grace. I'm telling you, that is what makes Christianity exclusive. It is the grace of God. It's his grace. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel like you're right with God because you've earned it and worked for it rather than just appreciating his grace, understanding that, you know, we are all sinners at one point saved by the grace of God. And I hope that that's, that, that's how my life is transformed. I hope we can see it in your life. I don't know. Maybe you feel like you've got to work your way there. Maybe there's pressure on you for it. I want to just give a moment. If you haven't said, Lord, I, I, I just am a sinner saved by grace. I don't have to earn it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray that you just fully understand his grace. If, if you really think, man, that you're getting into heaven because of things you've done, this is a moment for you just to appreciate and accept his grace. If you don't know the Lord, if you've got you know, the wrong ideas about him, I just want you to put a hand up. I want to pray with you because we are saved by grace and that's how God looks at our heart and he sees that that's how he transforms us that's how he works in our hearts and minds amen amen alright would you uh, stand up with me this morning man it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord and I, I just you know if you need someone to pray with you these altars are open if you need healing in your life broken relationships problems we're, we're here to pray with you we're glad that you came out to Bethany Church today I want you to we value you we bless you. Uh, we believe that people have potential. Uh, and I want to challenge you. Invite someone out to church, man. Uh, we've got uh, some sign up in the foyer for the Next Steps class taking place next week. And if there's anything inside of you that says, man, I, I want to, you know, get involved as we're growing, as we're moving forward, uh, there's some sign up tables uh, for, for help. If you want to do something for the things of God, you can get some information out there, meet some of our teams. And, man, we would love to have your help. I'm just looking forward to what God has ahead of us, man, because we're a place where the Word of God is working. Amen? Amen. We love you very much. We'll catch you all next week. If you need prayer, we're here for you.